Welcome, everyone, to New Life Lincoln Park. It's great to see you. Um, if you've been new for like the last while, um, I haven't met you yet. My name is Bobby. This is my first time back like in six weeks. Um, and I have to say, I really, really miss this place. Uh, I missed all of you. Um, my youth pastor, when I was growing up and uh, when I was in college and kind of going into ministry training, I remember him always telling me, the best check of your heart as far as what you're doing in your ministry or church is how you feel when you come back from vacation or a long trip. And if you're excited to be back, then you know you're in a good place. If you're kind of apprehensive to come back, then you need to check things. And let me just say, I could not wait to get back to this place. I was so excited. I mean, it was awesome being away, I'm not going to lie. It was really good. Um, and our family had such a great time. It was definitely an amazing trip. It was a little bit of tiring a trip, but just phenomenal. And we're so grateful. I'm so grateful for our leadership team and our ministry leaders and everybody who held this place together and just did everything as they always do. Um, but it just, I didn't, I was able to, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to avoid it because I know it's in good hands. And it was. Uh, can we thank everybody, all the leaders, just for doing everything, uh, especially Ed and some of the others, uh, Ben, and just doing so much. Uh, and I have to give huge kudos to our leadership team for such a powerful service last Sunday. Um, it was just awesome to be able to just see them collectively carry the load and encourage and feed the body. Uh, and I was just really grateful uh, to see that. And so um, just really, really grateful, um, but really, really grateful to be back. Uh, I think when the, we, we went into the last week and I said to Jeanette at one point, all right, I'm I'm done. Let's go home. You know, I, I miss my city. I miss my church. I miss my dog. Um, and so it's, uh, it's definitely great to be here. Um, if you are new with us, um, welcome. Um, new Life Lincoln Park is part of New Life Community Church. We're one of 27 different locations, all one church, all one family, but wanting to bring the love of Jesus uh, to the city of Chicago and even beyond that. And really grateful that we get to do that and are a part of what God is doing in this place. And grateful that you're here. Um, you didn't have to be today, but you're here. And I'm, I'm glad that you are. And uh, if you've been over here over the last couple of weeks and you're still here, I'm super glad that you came back and that you've been sticking it through. It just shows you that this place isn't about me. It's about the people that make up this church. And so if you stuck around, I'm just really grateful that you're here. Uh, if this is your first time, or maybe you've been here for a few weeks and you haven't done this yet, but there's a, if you, there should be a connection card in the pew in front of you, or if you take the camera of your phone and hold it up to that QR code, and you can do this at home as well if you're watching online, it'll take you to our connection point. And the first link on there is um, uh, the connection card. And so if you're new, just fill that out. It's some really br brief, basic information. Uh, but I would love to be able to thank you for joining us and answer any questions you have about the church, be able to pray for you. Uh, so if you could do that, that would be awesome. A uh, couple announcements before we get into the message and our series that we're starting today. Uh, coming up in a couple Saturdays on August 20th, we're going to be doing a men's breakfast. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit different for guys who were part of it last week, just so that you know it's going to be a little bit different. But for everybody, uh, the church is going to buy all the food. And then we're going to have uh, guys, can, if you're interested, you can volunteer to help set up and cook. Um, and so that QR code is there. It's also, you can scan that. It's also in the email that was sent out uh, yesterday and also this morning. The link is there. And so if you haven't signed up yet, you can sign up there. Um, 
but, but just come. It's, we had about almost 20 guys last time, and it was just an awesome time just to connect and meet other guys and laugh and eat a lot of food. Um, and so come and be a part of that on the 20th. Um, next thing is we're doing a worship and baptism service on the 28th at 5 o'clock at Montrose Beach. And so um, we haven't had a baptism service in a couple months, partly kind of holding off knowing we wanted to do this in the summer. And so this is going to be a really special time be able to go down to the lake, be able to sing together, worship together, and just celebrate different people um, who are celebrating their relationship with Jesus and their, the fact that they are part of the family of God. Uh, so if you have any questions about um, being baptized, about being baptized that night, um, being you know, any of that, uh, again, you can scan that QR code or um, in the pew, the one that takes you to our connection point, there's a link there about needing prayer, having questions. You can fill that out and then we'll get back to you. Uh, we'll have the specifics of how we're going to navigate, where specifically we're going to be at in Montrose and everything for you by next Sunday, but just mark 5 o'clock at Montrose Beach on your calendars now for the 28th. Um, and then last thing is that, uh, just to save the date, the, uh, we're doing a block party in September. I'm going blank on the date of it. I don't know if Ed has a slide for that. Um, but we're going to be doing... On the 11th, so September, thank you, Alexander. On September 11th, we're going to be doing a mini block party after service. And so we're going to have church normal. We're not going to do it in the street like we've done in the past. We're going to do it in the sanctuary like normal. But then when service is over, we're going to go out and have a big party. And so with the community and with the neighborhood. So again, more details to come, but just know that that's going to be a huge opportunity just as we kind of launch things out going into the fall, connecting with our neighbors and everything else. So lot of cool things going on. Uh, but we're going to jump into a new series today. It's really going to be a unique one. I'm excited to be able to kind of come back and be able to be a part of this. And so join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you want to use the Bible in the pew, uh, it's on page 959 in the pew Bible, not necessarily um, in your own personal Bible. I don't know what page it's on there. Uh, you can click to that. We are starting a series today across all of New Life called One Church. And to explain what this series is and what it's about, our lead pastor, Josiah Job, has this message for us. So we're going to watch this. Hey, New Life super excited to jump into today a new series called One Church. This is a series that every one of our locations, all 27 from Elgin to Montgomery to Hammond to Hobart to Little Village and Midway and Lincoln Park, all across New Life, we are preaching this series. And this series is going to be about how we are the church of God and what the church is called to do. We are an amazing church that's been spread out all over the city for the good of the city and we're really trying to transform this city with the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this month we're going to be doing something exciting. The first week your pastor who's here is preaching this sermon. The next two weeks you're having two different pastors from two different New Life locations come and preach to you through this One Church series. And the final Sunday of the month 
I'm going to be preaching to you on a video message in your screen, and I'm going to be talking about our theme, what I feel like God is placing upon my heart and our team's heart for where God is going to take us in the next few months. I'm telling you, this is going to be a powerful season. You don't want to miss it. So to take it away, your pastor is going to bring the message this morning. Let's give a huge round of applause for your pastor as they come up. Let's give it up for them. That's the cheesiest part of the entire video. So, uh, I, before I said, let me just say this. One of the big things that happened while I was gone, I think most of you, some of you know this, but for those of you who don't, we made a major change installation of our entire sound system. Some of you know about that, a lot of you. And so, like, the whole thing, soundboard, speakers, wires, the whole nine yards. And so I just want to give huge props to Kale and Ed for not only facilitating that. Yes, let's give it up for the two of them. Um, not only facilitating and arranging all that, but making it happen, dealing with all of the things, most of everything that didn't go as it was supposed to do, and then trying to get it all together now. So any stuff that happens, buzzing, or just know that it's not them. They're playing with the deck that they've been dealt and getting this together and everything, and I'm just really grateful. I mean, God has just blessed us and for, to have this technology and to be able to use it to what we're doing here and online. Uh, it's awesome, and so uh, just, I'm just really grateful for everything that they went through to get this thing set up, and so just wanted to say thanks um, from that video. So we're talking about the idea of the church, um, and appreciate Josiah uh, just kind of explaining the reality that over across all of the different New Life locations, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be the church. And when we hear the word church today, the stories can, uh, the responses, the things that we think of can be positive, the things can also be negative. Unfortunately, our media only seems to like the negative stories, so people hear mostly about those things. Those make good headlines. Um, bad stories make good headlines, unfortunately, in our world today. And so people don't always hear the good stories. Sometimes the things that we hear about the church, the criticism is very much founded. But other times it's not. What we need to do is we need to cut through the headlines. And for some of us, we even need to cut through our personal stories and experiences and come to Scripture to ask God, what is this place that you have created called the church? What is this place? Well, Jesus, when you said you would build your church, what were you going to build? What was its point? What is its purpose? What are we to be about and what are we to be doing? It is vitally important that we have both a healthy and accurate understanding of what the church is supposed to be. Here at New Life, we are, as we say every Sunday, we are one church that's spread out across 27 different locations. 27 places who are meeting this morning, but all one church. But we know that the church is greater than New Life. It's bigger than New Life. And we are part of the larger church which God has created worldwide and throughout history. We are part of something both as individuals and as a church family, we are part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. We are part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. There are many New Life locations, but we are one church. There are many local churches around the world, but we are one church. And we need to discover anew God's awesome plan and purpose 
for the church. And so that's what this series is going to be about. And like Josiah explained, uh, it's going to be a, one of the things, I'm, I'm part of the preaching team that helps our team kind of navigate and plan and prayerfully strategize what are we going to cover on Sundays throughout the year. And when we were talking about this, just the idea that we're not just New Life Lincoln Park, but we're New Life. We're one church spread out all over the place. Um, we, one of the things we said is I think we think it'd be good to get that idea across is if we didn't just hear from the location pastor, but different location pastors. Now, you, you've already had that for most of the summer, but it's going to happen a little bit more as we go into August. And so the way our schedule is going to work is I'm starting the series off today. Pastor Josiah, our lead pastor, is actually going to be here next Sunday. I'm going to be at New Life Midway. Uh, we're basically switching places at uh, just kind of how the chips fell. Um, the third Sunday, I'll actually be here, but Pastor Henry from Melrose is going to be here speaking. And then the final Sunday, everybody will be at their own locations, and Pastor, Pastor Josiah will be giving a message into the entire church. So our New Life team encouraging our New Life locations. We thought that would be a really cool but also important opportunity as we go into what this series is as we talk about the church. And so just kind of understanding of what it is and also where we're going, let's pray together as we look at this first part of the series. God, we thank you so much uh, for your church. And we acknowledge, God, it's your church. It's your family. It's your community. That we are here because of you, uh, only because of you. And we are grateful that we can be a part of your family, both in this place and abroad and throughout time. God, I'm excited to be here today, God, to be back in this place and what it represents and the people here and the relationships. God, just to be back with these people that I love. I'm so grateful for this place. I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would encourage us. I know we have people who are traveling or who are out sick or whatever that might be. I pray that you would encourage them wherever they're at, that they would maybe even be able to tune in later or now, that you would encourage them, that you would draw us and unify us, God, and encourage us through this series that we would see how special it is that we can be a part of what you're doing in this place. And so I pray you would challenge us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So if we're going to have a healthy and, like I said, accurate understanding of the church, one way we can start off with that is understanding what the church is not. What is the church not like? What is it not meant to be? And recently, Pastor Colin Smith shared four different distorted images of the church that people can have. Distorted. This is how people could act, but that's not what the church is supposed to be. One of the images that he gave is that different people can view the church like a gas station. They have their spiritual tank that's empty, and they come in on Sunday to get a sermon or make some connections and get that tank filled up so they can go into the week just on that spiritual energy and feeding until they empty out and need to get refilled again. And so it's a place to get spiritually refilled, and that's all that it is. Yes, there's a part of that, but to say that that's what the church is, that's a distorted view of what the church is supposed to be. A second distorted view is that some people see the church as a movie theater. This is a place where we get entertainment, that we're going to leave the church aside and just come in and be able to hear warm, fuzzy, encouraging messages and maybe some lame dad jokes and be able to smile on our way out and just be uplifted so that we can then, before we have to go back in and re-enter society and the work and school daily grind. To see this kind of idea that I'm just going to get entertainment 
is a very distorted view of the church. You know, thinking about this view of the church, the church I was, Jeanette and I were a part of before we came to New Life many years ago, it was youth ministry there, and um, our church was larger. There was like 1,400, 1,500 people, and there was one spring that it just was a really bad situation where the pastor had a moral failure, and he had a step, he was, well, he had a step down. And before he, that happened, we were about 1,400, 1,500 people. The Sunday after it was announced, we were at 900 people. And we went through, and if you looked at the average giving of people in a church of 1,500 people, the average giving was $15 per family. And so what we said is that immediately we lost the movie. We, 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 called, it, we called it the movie people. Who were, he was a very charismatic speaker. He was very energetic. You would kind of get, it was entertaining to listen to him and it was challenging and everything too. But that, again, hearing Colin Smith talk about the movie theater and how people can view it, I was part of a church like that. Where a third of the community came in and it was like they were paying for the movie. They got their fix. That was great. I'm going to go back to work now. That's a distorted view of the church. To just be entertained and then move on. Another distorted view is to see the church as a drugstore. I'm going through pain. I'm going through difficulty. I need just to get my fix. I need to get some help. I need to get some medicine so that I can be healed and keep, and keep going on with the rest of my life. Again, there's a part of church that's definitely a drug. We're going to talk about it in a minute. That's definitely a part of church. But to see church as that and only that is a distorted view of the church. The reality is that, man, when COVID hit in March of 2020, there were a lot of people in church, be it online, who had not been in forever because life had been upended. This was chaos. I'm confused. This is hurting. What's going on? We're going to go to church to be encouraged. But then when things started opening up and coming back to normal, gone. And that's a drugstore view of church. When things are hard, when things are difficult, I'm going to come in and get the help and support I need. But if things are great, well, I don't need that place. Things are fine. Why would I need that? That's a distorted view of community. And the last thing he t- talks about is that a distorted view of church is a big, like it's a big box retailer. I just want to qualify that there's been no sponsorship ag- agreements between us and Walmart as I talk about this. But the mentality here is I'm going to come in and this place is going to have the best products, the best programs for me and for my family. It's going to be a great service. It's going to have the specific things that we need to be a part of and we're looking for. And if you don't have those things, then we're going to go find them at some other store. And so church is limited, reduced to the programs that it offers me, not anything beyond that. This is a distorted view of the church. To see the church as a gas station, to see the church as a movie theater, to see the church as a drugstore, to see the church as a big box retailer. This is not the church. Then what is the church? Well, again, over the course of this series, we're going to learn different aspects of the church. And the concept that we really want to absorb and take in today, not just hear and learn, but absorb and take into who we are, is this, is that the church is a community. The church is a family. It is a living organism that we are a part of. This is a family that God has placed me in. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, 
so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The Paul, the writer of this, is speaking to this church in Corinth, and they're a church that doesn't really have it all together, and there's a lot of new believers and people who are figuring it out and people trying to deal with their culture and how does this all fit, and in some ways, Paul has to come around and, okay, guys, stop goofing off, you know, or, hey, guys, let's get it together, and, like, there's just some craziness going on, but he's coming in and encouraging them and equipping them. It's reminding them, hey, you're all part of something. You are part of one body, and just like the body has many members, has many pieces, has many parts, so it is with you. You are part of one body. To follow Jesus is to be a piece of his spiritual family. To, be, to follow Jesus, Paul is telling us, is to be a piece, to be a part of his spiritual family. The church is more than a gas station. It is more than a movie theater. It is more than a drugstore. It is more than a big box retailer. The church is not a building it is people. The church is not a structure. It is interconnected relationships. The church is not a program. It is a family. The church is not bricks and mortar, wires, shingles, and plumbing, and sound systems. The church is laughter and tears, celebrations and mourning. It is family life together as we follow Jesus together. When you Give your life to Jesus. When you put your faith in him, make him Lord of your life, you immediately become part of the church. You were given a puzzle piece when you came in. Do you have that? Can you put that, pull that out? Uh, if you don't have one, raise your hand and we'll uh, have somebody bring them up. Christian, can you do that? Yeah, they'll, they'll, Christian's got it. You were, you were given a puzzle piece, or you're going to be given one this morning. The pieces that you were given... Make up this image. Now, none of you should be as surprised at all about which puzzle that I... Uh, so I don't want to hear... And I was not going to pick the, like, big, rosy nature thing or Pokemon. Come on, this is what we were picking. No, no, pro no doubt here. All of the pieces that you were, are given make up this picture. I, didn't I really wanted to take a picture of, like, our church and then make a puzzle of it, but I didn't have time between getting back from Israel. But all of the pieces, these are not just random. These are not just something found in a box, some drawer somewhere lost. Every single one of these makes up this specific image. When you begin following Jesus, the Bible tells us that he makes us a new creation. He gives us a new identity. It says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When he makes you a new creation, he transforms you into a puzzle piece that connects to other new creations. You become a, a, one that connects to others, becomes a part of something, that a body, and just as the body is made up of many parts, and those parts make the body what it is, just as a puzzle is made up of many pieces, and those pieces make the puzzle what it is, each new creation is part of what makes the family of God the family of God. You are a piece of what makes New Life Lincoln Park New Life Lincoln Park. You are a piece 
of what makes the global church what it is. We are part of something greater and bigger than ourselves. But even though it is bigger than ourselves, you are still a piece of it. And we have to have that mentality. I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. Yes, everyone needs to make a personal decision to follow Jesus. But no one has an exclusively personal relationship with him. Because you are born into a family. You are brought into the family of God. You are a piece of the community. We are part of something, and we are part of something that portrays someone. He tells them, there's no Jews or Greeks in this place, slaves or free in this place. All of that is secondary because we are all put into one family in Jesus to reflect Jesus. We gather together with many different stories and for many different perspectives and many experiences, but we don't come together for ourselves or to promote ourselves. We gather for Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to make him known. Yes, our pieces might have different colors to them or different angles or different shapes, some bright colors, some darker colors, whatever that might be. But when you look at them and you put them together, you're supposed to see Jesus not us. We're supposed to reflect Jesus, not us. N.T. Wright says, the church is to be the place where together we learn how to be God's genuinely human beings, worshiping God and serving him by reflecting his image to the world. Did you hear what he said? This is the place where we learn to become genuinely human. Because apart from Jesus, we're not how we're, apart from him, we're not living as we were made to be. We are only truly living when we are living in Jesus. And to live in Jesus is to be part of his family. And so this is where we come to learn what it means to be genuinely human and reflect that reality to the world around us. This is why it's so bad and so wrong. And I would be strong enough to say evil when we make our churches about our political agendas and worldly ideas and systems, because what are we doing within that? We are putting those before the kingdom of God, making the things of men known before the kingdom of God. And that's what the problem is, is we say, no, to be a Christian is to be like this of the world. To be a Christian is to not be like the world at all. And so when we come together, we're supposed to be showing the world something different not the same. Promoting him, not any person, party, or ideology. We are here for Jesus and to make his kingdom known. We gather as a family to worship him, to encourage him, to be equipped, and then we disperse to show Jesus and share Jesus wherever we are. We gather, we disperse. We gather, we disperse. We gather, we disperse. And it's almost like that is the heartbeat of the body, pumping out a rhythm of worship and mission. Part of following Jesus is to acknowledge I am a living part of the body of Christ. I am a living part of his family. And so you have to ask yourself, what is your attitude about church? Is it something that you are a part of? Or do you have one of the distortions? Have you seen it as the gas station, as the movie theater, as the drugstore, as the realtor, the big box store? 
Or are you seeing it as a family that you are a piece of? Because those are different perspectives. And there's only one that is biblical. We have to see ourselves as a piece of the church to cherish this body, care for this body, protect this body, support and take care of this body, to say, this is a family I am a part of. That's to be part of the church. We're doing baptisms on August 28th. It says in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. This is one of the reasons why baptism is so important. It's to proclaim to people, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a new creation. But it's also to proclaim, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm his kid too. I'm part of the family. To get baptized as a follower of Jesus is a biblical command. It's obedience to what God has told us and how he wants us to be. And so if you've never been baptized, I don't care how long you've been following Jesus. I don't care how young or old you are. I don't care how you grew up or anything else. Come back to the Bible, and what does the Bible say? You trust in Jesus, and then you get baptized. And so if you follow Jesus and you've never been baptized, to follow Jesus, you need to be baptized. And so it's time to get baptized. And so if you have questions about that, we want to celebrate with you. I'm telling you, one of the most joyous Happy, awesome moments of church life is to see somebody go under the water and come back up and to hear the applause and the screaming of joining, knowing we're joining heaven that's doing the same thing. This is a person that didn't know him and now does. This is a person that was lost and is now found. And to not be a part of that, to not experience that, it's like somebody who's offering you a billion dollars and you say, no, I'm good. You are missing out on the reality of what Jesus is offering you as far as life in him and life in the community. And that acknowledgement that I am one with him and part of something. You can't miss that. And so if you need to be baptized, then we want to baptize you and celebrate with you on the 28th. And again, if you have any questions about that, and let me just say, I know how this works. If you don't act on what I'm saying and you don't do something about what I'm saying, you're going to get busy this week, you're going to blow it off, and then I'm going to say it again Sunday, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, I need to do that. And then the, the whole pattern's going to flow until we get to the 28th and go, oh, I missed it. Well, you missed it because you didn't act on it. So if you have it in your heart right now, based on what I'm saying, the conviction of, yeah, I need to get baptized, then take out your phone, scan the QR code, and fill the thing out right now. It's not signing in blood we're not going to come pick you up and drag you to the lake. But at least take that first step. At least take that first step. I mean, we will if you put that. Please do that. Then if you request it, you request it, we'll do it. But that's not the plan. I just want to clarify that. But at least take the first step so that you can take the next step. At least take that. If, if God is laying that, prompting your heart right now, convicting your heart, if you feel that spirit nudge, that you need to do that, then take your phone out before this message is over, scan that QR code, fill that out, and we'll get back to you this week. To follow Jesus is to be a piece of his spiritual family. Part of understanding and appreciating and living in this body is knowing how God has designed things to be. How did he do it? Well, that's the next thing. God made you a piece of the church to strengthen the church 
and for it to strengthen you. God made you a piece of the church to strengthen the church and for it to strengthen you. Listen to this next, next chunk's a little bit longer, but listen to this, starting in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you hear him talking about the idea that, okay, we have all these different organs and parts of our body. What would it be like if the whole thing was one? That wouldn't make any sense. Or if the whole thing was one, what would be the point of the other? So giving like this kind of like, well, duh, kind of thing, Paul. But what does that mean and how does that come across when we think about how we think about church? Well, imagine you had some pro- projects to do at your home that were beyond your skill level and you needed to call a handyman. I'm not asking you what you're not going to establish one another's skill levels here. We're just going to say it was beyond your current skill level. And you needed to call a handyman to come in and help you with these projects. Handyman shows up. He puts his toolbox on the table and he tells you that he has everything that he needs to help complete any job that you put before him. And, and so you're like, oh man, because I really have some stuff. I have this, some stuff I need to get hung up. My garbage disposal is broken and there's water everywhere. And you just start listing off all these different pro, 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 projects and things that needs to happen around the house. And he says, oh, okay, that's awesome. I have everything that I need. He puts his toolbox on the table. He opens up his toolbox and he takes a screwdriver out and sets it on the table. And then he op- goes into the box and pulls out another screwdriver and puts it on the table. And then he goes into his toolbox and takes out another screwdriver and puts it on the table. He takes his toolbox and dumps out all screwdrivers. That's not a toolbox. That's a bag of screwdrivers. And he might be able to get some things done, but he's not going to get to do everything. He's not going to have what he might think he does, but it doesn't matter what he thinks. Reality is saying something different. You don't have what you need to complete these jobs if all you have is one tool. You need all of them. You, I mean, not that he's going to, can you set that uh, picture of the tools up? Not that he's going to have like this as he shows up, but this is the reality of it. There's a, a variety of tools, a lot of different things that we need. And some of you might need for one particular job, others you might need a different, but you need a variety of tools to complete a variety of jobs. You need a variety and diversity of tools to get the jobs done. If all you have is a box of screwdrivers, there's a lot of things that are going to get left unattended. And it's the same with our church. It's the same with our bodies. It's the same with our puzzles. It's the difference in our pieces and the picture that they create. If each piece, each puzzle piece that we had were just a flat green, it would be one boring image. If all of the pieces were the same color and size, you wouldn't be putting together a picture. You would just be putting together a mass. It's the diversity of what we see on the pieces that brings them together to make a picture. If one piece of the puzzle were to say, I'm not like the rest of you, so I'm not a part of this picture, 
that doesn't make it true and it doesn't make it right. Because the reality is a person that has that mentality has a very selfish, small vision of themselves and those around them. If a, if a piece said, we're different, I don't need to be connected to you, then the reality is, is that the image is incomplete. And if a person says, I'm different than you, so I can't be connected to you, then that person is taking on the culture's attitude and not Jesus' attitude. Because Jesus makes us different, diverse, and, and uh, different from one another so that we can be connected and complement one another. Imagine famous works of art with different holes in them. They would be completely ruined. If we had the Mona Lisa and parts of it were cut out, pieces were taken out. Can you put that photo of uh, that image up? If you had pieces of her just cut out, it would ruin the picture. It would ruin what it would look like. They're not supposed to be there. Everything is supposed to be there. There's not supposed to be any holes. There's not supposed to be anything missing. When we separate ourselves from church, when we remove our peace from the image, we are putting holes in the family. We are putting holes and ruining the picture of God's family that he has created and he wants to be. God has arranged things exactly as he wants them. That, ver- that word in verse 18, that he has arranged things, means to appoint, to designate, to assign, to give a task to. We're going to talk about, Pastor Josiah is going to talk about spiritual gifts next week. The idea that each believer has been given a Holy Spirit-empowered ability that is given to serve others. God didn't give us all the same gift. He gave us a variety of gifts. He didn't give us all the gift of encouragement. He didn't give us all the gift of leadership. We would never get anything done if that was the case. He gave us many gifts. God gave a variety of gifts to strengthen the body, to equip us to follow Jesus better. The diversity of gifts in the body are there to help us during difficult times. Yes, we're going to get to that in a minute. But may we never think that the gifts of the body are only there to help us when life is hard. The gifts are given to the body so that we can grow and become better followers of Jesus. We've been given a variety of gifts. We've been given a variety of stories and experiences. And because of our gifts, because of our stories, because of our experiences, we can help one another be strengthened in how we follow Jesus. We can be strengthened and become better, more obedient, more reflective of who he is because of other people in our lives the different backgrounds that are in this place, the different stories, the different experiences people have had, help us to become better. I am a better dad because of the people in this church. I am a better husband because of the people in New Life. I am a better pastor because of the people in New Life because of people's stories, because of people have encouraged me, because of people have helped me. Even at the, we just, we just had a pastor's retreat over the last three days, and we were having some different sessions. We were talking, and at one point we were just talking about family life, and we were, Jeanette and I were talking about being parents of teenagers now, and we were only taught, saying really positive, awesome things. My daughter's in the back listening right now. And there was other parents in the room who had teenagers, and they were sharing their stories, and I was sharing our stories, and we were encouraging one another because of it. And then there was kids, parents who had parents, kids who had little kids, and we were able to share some of our experiences when our kids were little, and they were like, "Oh, that's so helpful." There was people in the room, couples that didn't, and 
pastors that weren't married who were sharing some of their experiences, and other guys, people were to say, oh, this is what I did. Here's how that would. We were able to encourage one another where we were because of where other people had been. And the reality is, it should be true for you as well. You need to know you can be a better person, a better follower of Jesus, a more equipped follower of Christ because of the people of this church. And the big thing that you need, some of you need to know is that others in this church are going to be better followers of Jesus because you're in their life. The best thing about me being gone for six weeks is that all of you can see this church needs you, not just me. If no one picked that up, I'm going to go for some... No, that's not, that's not true. But the reality is, it's not just my job to equip and encourage and serve the church. It's all of our jobs. And if you are going to make somebody's life with Jesus better and more equipped, than because you're in their life. And you can make... And somebody and other people are going to help you, and you can help others... And we miss out on that when we say, nah, I don't need that. I, 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 don't need, I don't even know who they are. I don't really like how they're dressed. I hear about how they voted. I don't like the music that they listen to. They, they, they would never show up at one of my job parties. I don't know if I can be around them. That's worldly thinking. That's not church thinking. Church thinking is Jesus loves them. And Jesus loves me. And Jesus has them here for a reason. And that reason's for my benefit. And Jesus has me here for a reason. And that's for their benefit. And I'm going to help them be better follower of Jesus. And they're going to help me be a better follower of Jesus. And this community is going to be better because of it. And if we don't have that attitude, then we're thinking like the world. And so why are you here? Okay, we're going to talk about gifts and talk about the specifics of that next week, but we have to have that in our heads right now. Why are you here? Because God appointed you to be part of the church. And you know what? Maybe you're new. Maybe you've only been checking it out for a couple weeks, a couple months, and you haven't figured out, is this the place I'm going to land? That's totally fine. But you need to either be here or someplace and be a part of the body of Christ. Because God wants you to be a part of his family. Because you have gifts and you have stories and you have abilities and you have experiences that people need to be in contact with. And they have gifts and experiences and everything that you need to be in contact with. So if this is your place, then make it your place. And if it's not, then find the place where you're going to be planted. But God has put you into the church. He's made you a piece of the church to strengthen the church and for it to strengthen you. He has purposely placed you here. And that's exciting. And I hope you discover what that is. Last thing, God made you a piece of the church to care for the church and for it to care for you. Verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That last verse, verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, there's a little bit of overlap in these two sections. The idea that there isn't anyone greater or anyone less. It's not just about me. It's about all of us. We are part of the family. And if one is celebrating, we all celebrate. If one is mourning, we all mourn. Because it's not just my story. It's our story. And it's not just your story. It's our story. The saddest six words that anyone can say in the church are, I have no need of you. I have no need of you. Are the six saddest words you can say, being part of a church. For some, I have no need of you could be said in pride, I don't, or false pride. I don't want anybody in my business. I don't, want, I don't need anybody. I'm going to do this on my own. Who are you? I, and we have this kind of like, ultra-private, I don't want to have anything to do with anything, keep people at distance, I'm just, get away. Or I, I haven't figured out new be to Jesus, and no one can help us. And there's a prideful element that people can have in saying, I have no need of you. And there's a humility that we have to check ourselves on within that. If you don't think that you need the church, and if you think that you don't need the people of the church in your life, then you are putting yourself above Jesus. And you're telling Jesus that you know better than he does. Anyone who says, I, just, I like Jesus, but I don't want the church, doesn't understand Jesus. Anybody that says, I'm all about Jesus, but I don't want to have anything to do with that church thing, doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Because it's a package deal. And so to say, I don't want, I don't need that, I don't want to be a part of that, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Any, I mean, again, you're here, so it's not you. But anybody that would be at home or you know anybody that says, you know what, I don't need the church, I'm just going to do the Jesus thing, just tell them, skip the part, go to 1 Corinthians 12 and know that that's messed up thinking. Because we need one another. You do need people in your life. For some saying, I have no need of you, could be said from a place of hurt and genuine hurt. And there are realities that when there are people who, and I've experienced this, and I know other people in our community have experienced it in the past, where church can be hurt, hurting, and church people can be wounding. And even though Jesus says, may they know you by your love for one another, sometimes that's the least thing on how we're, our reputation is known. And if that's you in this place, I just want to say, I am incredibly sorry. Again, I know what that's like. I've been in places like that. I've experienced that from Christians myself. I know I've probably hurt people. And I'm just going to say, I'm so sorry. That is real. That is genuine. And I would never dismiss that, and I would never minimize that. I am so sorry for what you experienced. I would love to have coffee and just hear your story. And again, not to fix you and not to minimize, but just to hear and so you know that, you're not alone that there are others who have experienced that because I know exactly what that feels like. I don't know your story, 
but I know what church hurt is. And so just so you, we, this is a place where we acknowledge that reality. And I am so sorry if that's what you've experienced. While thinking, mean, I, I remember when my kids were little, we would be at the park and if somebody was bullying them or being mean or pushed them down, to be like, I want to go home and I never want to go back to that place. And sometimes that's how we can feel about church. And again, it's genuine reality. It's genuine feelings. But please don't take God or his family hostage because one of his kids is an idiot. Just because, again, they were wrong. And sometimes even, even evil in what people can do. But this is one of the mistakes in our culture's thinking is to minimize an entire group of person to one person. And everybody does that. I don't care what label you put on. But we include everybody underneath the actions of one. And again, the actions of the one, the actions of the few, are, can be evil. But it doesn't mean the whole is. And so all I can beg you of is to give God a chance. And give church a chance. And let God show you that his church isn't what you experienced at that place. Because I guarantee you, God is more angry about what happened there than you are. And he hurts with you. And so please don't take him hostage and think you don't need the church because of how some of his kids acted. I'm so sorry. The reality is that leaning on others is not only difficult, but in our day-to-day, but it's countercultural. But it doesn't mean that we don't need to do it. Community will care for you better than you will care for yourself alone. Let me say that again. Community will care for you better than you can care for yourself alone. I mean, there's 50-something people in here today. If you only care about yourself, how many people are caring about you? One. If you let the community care for you, how many people are caring for you? Fifty. Now, I went to Bible school, but I know 50 is way bigger than one. Math isn't always my thing, but I got that one down. And don't let embarrassment or fear of rejection or judgment or they don't know what I've done and they don't know this. All of those are lies from the devil. The truth is, is that community will be gracious and caring and loving for you and wants to care for you. Philippians 2 says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in one spirit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We need to think through how can we care for one another, but we also need to take the courage to let others care for us. And please don't allow cultural or how you grew up or whatever the pride thing is that says, I can't ask for help, that's not biblical. Biblical is, if you need help, let the church help you, and whatever that might be. Running in community is better than running alone. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as, some are in the ha- as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to have people who are running along with us. I'm doing the marathon again this year, and I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm really determined to do better than my horrible time last year, because my COVID experience like ruined everything, and it was just embarrassing. So going into this year, I really, really want to beat my time. And I got COVID again when we were in Israel. But we're doing good. We're back into training. But one thing I was just talking to Pastor Danny, one of the pastors at New Life, and I said, here's my plan to beat my time. I know I can't run alone. And so I told them what I'm doing is I'm going to get, there's 26 miles from mile 10 to mile 26. I want 16 people who are going to help me run. So get 16 people who will sign up and run a mile with me for the back half to have alongside to say, hey, come on, come on, come on, keep going, to pace me as long. Yes, I might be doing some subtle recruiting while I'm saying this. <laughs> but the reality is, and if, you don't, if you've never run a mile, I love you, but don't, don't, say, don't volunteer for that. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, is that I know that, man, when you get back into that back half and the crowds aren't really there and you're kind of alone and the... Gatorade's like a way far away and it's hot. That's when you want to quit. There's no one there telling you to keep going. There's no one there telling you to cheer you on. There's no one there telling you, yeah, it's hard, but come on, we're there, let's do this. Some of you, life is so hard right now because you're running alone. Yes, life is hard. Yes, it sucks. Yes, you're in a valley and everything within that. But the fact you're running alone is making it worse. And running with somebody won't make it bad things become good, but running with people won't make bad things worse. They'll make it where it's lighter. They'll make it where it's more sustainable. You'll know you're not alone. You need to let people in your life. You need to make friends, as we say here, before you need them. And so that means not just running out when service is over. That means hanging out in the back and meeting some people. That means when we have events, coming to them and meeting people. That means serving so you can connect and get to know people. That means hanging out outside of all that stuff. Hey, anybody want to go see a movie this weekend? Hey, anybody want to grab lunch? Hey, anybody want to go? That means getting involved in a community group. That means when things happen, open up to these people. But for some of you, life is so hard right now because you're running alone. And you need people to spur you on and encourage you, like Hebrews says. God made you a piece of the church to care for the, to care for the church and for it to care for you. Verse 27, close this. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You are a part of this place. And if you're not part of this place, you need to figure out what place you're a part of. I want to, let me just clarify. I'm saying that because I want you to be a part of this place. I want you to be here. I want to encourage you and help you and make you a better person in the name of Jesus. And I want you to do that for me and everyone else here. You are meant to be a piece, a part of the body of Christ. And so if it's not going to be here, figure out where that is. But let me also say this, and maybe this is the thing you need to relate to some other people. It is so easy to talk about all the negative things that are happening in church. And the way that people are responding wrongly to this is people are going, oh, the church is messed up. The church is broken. Let's leave. 
Okay, well, if that's your attitude, or you can relay this to anyone you know that has that attitude, you're part of the problem. Because if you see all this stuff and you walk away from it, rather than engaging it and making it better, I would say you're more guilty for the problems than those who are there trying. You need to make the church better. You need to make the church better. Because the church is God's plan A to let the world know about him. And if people just keep looking at the things that are messed up in church and then walk away from it, then we are not letting the world know about Jesus. You are a part of the body. And so what does it look like to honor Jesus and show Jesus and help grow people in Jesus in this place? Because he has you here for that reason. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the fact that this was your plan, this was your idea, this is your strategy, this is your dream, this is how you've made things as far as the, your people. And so to the fact that you save us, the fact that you redeem us, the fact that you give us new life and place us in a family, place us in a community, God, we're thankful that you came up with this. God, I pray that you would give us a renewed vision for who we are in the church, a renewed sense of purpose for who we are in the church. I pray that you would help us to break down walls. I pray that you would help us to demolish excuses. I pray that you would give us a burden and a passion for this place and what you're doing, that we would meet people and connect with people and help grow people and invite them into our stories. And yes, we acknowledge that could be slow process and that baby steps, but one step is better than none, God. So help us to take whatever that next step is. God, I pray that you would grow this church, that you would unify us and connect us, that we would be a better place of people who are following you and worshiping you and proclaiming you. I'm just thankful for who you are and this church you've let me be a part of. In your name we pray, amen. Just in the spirit of what this word is and what we've heard today, let's uh, stand and close with this last song. Worship